This is episode 25 with the veteran entrepreneur and legend, Ted Hanlon. G'day everyone and welcome to The Blogcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hardman, and each week we bring you an inspirational guest or message to help you blokes out there live a holistically healthy lifestyle. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are around the world and let's get stuck in. All right, welcome back, you bloody legends. We are starting today's episode a little bit differently because I have been away sunning myself overseas and in a state for a good month or maybe five, six weeks, whatever it is now. And in all honesty, it's been an absolutely hectic period for me. And I have to admit, I've actually struggled a bit with it. I've been traveling a lot and the anxiety and stress of being away from home, constantly living out of a bag and having different commitments pulling me in every direction has really actually taken its toll on me. I definitely felt like I was, you know, I was a lot more grumpy, a lot more short uh, with my conversation with people, not as patient as I normally am, uh, and which my wife will argue that I'm never patient, however... I think I am, and uh, and quick to obviously be annoyed or uh, you know get angry and stuff like that. So, to be honest, this is this is really normal. This is just a build up of stress. So I combated that by cutting back on a few areas in my life that aren't as crucial, and I knuckled down on the areas of my life that really are to me. So my wife, my home, and really my own head. I had a little bit of reset where I did a bit of meditation, a bit of uh, reflection, and then we're all good to go and uh, ready to rock again. Sometimes you, re- you guys out there, you really have to be, you have to be able to have the the ability to be present in your mind, to be able to identify when it is too much, and think to yourself, "Hey, I might need to actually look after myself here." And I had one of those moments. Okay, today's episode. It is long. You can probably see by tuning to this that it will go for somewhere close to uh, 80 minutes, maybe more. So it's, it's quite a long episode. However, it is awesome. So in saying that, we won't actually have a legend of the week this week. We're just going to cut straight to the episode to cut back on a bit of time here and uh, in the intro uh, so, that's, um, so that we can get stuck into this episode. All right, so let's jump into today's quote for the episode. This quote is from Reid Hoffman, and it says, An entrepreneur is someone who will jump off a cliff and assemble an airplane on the way down. Ted Hanlon is the epitome of this. He is an incredible bloke. He is a veteran of both the Australian Army and the Dutch Royal Marines. He currently works as an overseas security contractor. He is an entrepreneur founding three successful companies being skilled athlete, high-speed coffee, and triple strategy. He is a dad. He's just had a little baby girl, or him and his partner have just had a little baby girl. And on top of all this, he's studying an MBA. Holy shit. This conversation is simply put bloody awesome. We discuss so much from holistic health to entrepreneurship to fatherhood to time management to stress management, so much that we got a good 40 minutes into the episode uh, and 
I actually realised I hadn't even asked my first question yet. We just went on segue after segue after segue that just led down a rabbit hole of just awesome, awesome content. So I know this is a long episode. I had to break it to you, but next week's episode I think is going to be even longer. But I know this is a long episode, but stick it out and break it up as you need it, especially especially if you're keen to start your own business or side hustle. You need to listen to this episode. Ted is the fucking man and he gives us so many takeaways in this episode. So sit back, relax, and let's get stuck in. Right, g'day legends. Welcome to episode 25 of the Blowcast. Super excited. We're back after having a break. We've had about, uh, by the time this airs, probably about five or six weeks in the end, I think, uh, off. Uh, maybe maybe a little bit less than that, but it is good to be back on the airs. And we have today a legend, Ted Hanlon here, who is an entrepreneur, a veteran. He runs three businesses. He's still contracts overseas the man has i don't know how he does how he does everything he does but uh we're going to get stuck into his story today and learn a bit about ted and and learn a bit about the strategies that he uses to manage his time and to and to successfully run multiple businesses as well as raise a family so ted welcome to the podcast mate it is awesome to have you on mate you're far too kind thanks for having me uh brennan um uh, legend's a bit of an oversell, I think. I'm nah. just a, a, normal, a normal guy doing a, a day at a time and, uh, yeah, just sort of working my way forwards to, uh, to like, small goals um, towards meeting big goals. So, yeah, that's just my, uh, my way of approaching things. Yes, awesome, man. I say legend because you have one of your, one of your business, which we'll get, we'll get more into, I guess, um, your business kind of background in, in, a, in a bit, but Skilled Athlete is one of your businesses that you run and any veteran that um, listens to this podcast would would highly likely have heard of Skilled Athlete because it's uh, one of the, the top um, Australian veteran brands and I absolutely love it, mate. I love the work you do with that and I love the, I guess, the the, the path that you've taken and, and, and the, the the way you're taking that brand and the way you're building that brand. It's... um. Yeah, it's just it's it's such a good brand, mate. So that's that's why oh. I say legend because it's it it is a it is a great brand that one. Well, I appreciate that, mate. It's, it's uh, very rare I receive accolades like that, so I'll uh, I'll take that one and put it in the bank for now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. It's just it's I guess it's funny when you start a business and you sort of look at like what the current environment is like and the current climate and. Um, you can either conform to what everyone else is doing or you can decide to do, you know what, fuck everyone else, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Yeah, exactly. You, you can make things harder for yourself by doing that. Yeah. But at the same time, like I just look at, you know, who I am and my experiences in life and and then I just go, well, you know, how do I turn that into a business? But also how do I turn that into something that's not going to be the same as what everyone else is doing? Because at the end of the day, I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm not doing something that hasn't been done before. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not differentiating myself through, you know, some amazing product or whatever. What I'm just doing is. um, It's having a point of difference essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Just sort of, 
you know, making a stand of like, this is how I'm going to do things and this is what I stand for. I'm not willing to compromise on, yeah. um, you know, engaging with the, with the veteran community um, in making a stand in how I say and do certain things, i.e. I understand that, you know, veterans have uh, certain frames of mind, mentalities, ways they say things, um, you know, certain views on current society. Um, and it, it's sort of getting to the point where these views are getting trampled on a little bit, I think, where it's like, you know, to fit into the PC society, we all have to conform. And you, you would have seen the recent thing where um, the uh, CDF came out, said no more skulls on T-shirts. And, I, did, you know, I, I didn't see it, but I did hear about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, mate. Like, and, and here's the thing, right? So our, our logo has a skull on it. So I was like, oh, fuck it. You know, this is going to tank my business. Um <laughs> Contrarily, probably grew up, it actually improved because I think there's like this 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 mad counterculture where it was like, ah, oh, you're telling us we can't do this. Okay, cool, we're gonna go fucking do this. So yeah, I feel, <laughs> I feel like that'd be like one of those rules where they're like, you know what, you can't do this anymore, and then outfield some sneaky digger just pulls out a little bandana or something like <laughs> and just puts it on his face <laughs> or a oh, shamag with it with it with with the skull on it, and and then the 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 sergeant before you look over and go ah. Oh, all right, you're gonna get me in trouble. Don't don't let anyone fucking see that. <laughs> yeah, well, mate, absolutely. You're you're on the money. Like that does happen. But the amount of blokes that have approached me, uh, and even dudes that have said like, "Hey, I was gripped up by a CSM um, in my own time uh, at the gym wearing a t-shirt with, a, with like wearing one of your t-shirts with a skull on it." Yeah, right. I was like, "You you're joking." Yeah. So like. To, to say like, yeah, it's, it's just been one of those random rules that's not going to be policed or whatever, it definitely is and it's getting silly. Yeah. But at the same time, just, there's, like, there's a lot of dudes that are just like, you know what, cool, you can do that, but yeah. um, in my spare time, I'm still going to do this and they are. Um, and that's, but yeah, that should be I, all right. I I've always in trouble, you know? Yeah. I've always been big on, um, yeah, because I was obviously background in the army, so I've always been big on, on giving – giving soldiers and giving diggers their own time. And, you know, even if they live on base, um, when they're not on duty and they're, and they're at the gym or they're, you know, doing whatever they're doing, they're fucking around on base, like giving them their own space and giving them their own time, not not policing them 24-7 because it, it, I feel like it, it breeds a counterculture. Like you're talking about there, it breeds a, breeds a counterculture and it breeds a, a negative impact on team because in the end everyone, you know, you've got to have your own outlet. You have to have an outlet. If you don't, if you sit there and you work in the army twenty four seven, then you end up like those crusty old warrant officers that you know, <laughs> have no life and wear wear sneakers and jeans around. And, 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 <laughs> oh, the old sneens, yeah. yeah, the old sneens, um, and 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 they're angry at life, and that's not what you want. Um, and so I've always yeah. always been big on balance, and always been big on hey, you know what? If they're doing that in their spare time, then as long as it's not illegal, then let them do it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you there, and I think that's sort of. Well, probably some of the key traits of a good leader is, you know, not, you know, saying, yeah, I could police this, but is it, you know, big picture, is it really worth doing it? Yeah. And like what kind of message am I sending if I do start policing, you know, little things outside of work hours, et cetera, et cetera. Like that I see like little issues that are consistently brought to light. They start creating this mindset and culture of guys that get really um jaded and, and pissed off quickly mm, yeah definitely like yeah following the big issues all, all good and well but it's sort of like when you start nitpicking 
dude's got like, come on. Yeah. Like it's the same as like getting a speeding ticket for doing 51 in a 50. You're like, are you serious? Yeah. You know? And that's sort of like, you know, if that happens consistently, um, people get pissed off with an organization when the organization isn't necessarily the, 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 the bad guy. It's the, the actual interaction that they have with, you know, their senior NCOs and their officers on a day-to-day basis. But for them, that makes that portrayal of, I hate this organization now because of that interaction yeah. or those continued interactions. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of a cop-out when people say, oh, Army wants you to do this or Army wants this or, you know, if you're going to tell someone that you are reprimanding them for something or, you know, ha- you know having a dig, Take say it's you. Yeah. Don't, don't do that, you know, diffusion of responsibility where you go, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's this unknown, unseen entity that I'm just, you know, I'm just the intermediary here. Like, I, I don't, yeah, I hate that. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, I'm all about ownership. I'm all about, um, you know, just taking ownership of your own, uh, your own, your own issues, your own problems, your own mistakes, and and that's the only way you really learn and you only grow as a human if you if you if you kind of do those things. And especially because I, you know, I work so much in the in the mental health space now. Um, you know, it's 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 very applicable across that as well. Unless you start taking ownership of your own problems and your own like issues that you have in your life then you're never going to get better like you you can go and see as many doctors as you want you can go and see as take as many pills as you want you can you can do whatever you want and but nothing's going to change until absolutely until you actually yeah you actually accountability is fucking everything and i I preach it with skilled athlete a lot um Mm. because it obviously sits in the fitness space but you know you you mentioned mental health as well and um accountability comes down in in everything that you do in life really um you know, you need to have that accountability of setting time aside to doing something. Yeah. Uh, and then you need to continuously apply it. Um, and it's a great so, fit as well because fitness is such a great, um, like it's such a great barrier to mental health. It's such a great barrier to healing. Um, you know, it's, it's such a great, oh, I guess, segue or pathway to be able to get yourself back on the right track and, and it can start with, with fitness and just getting being fit and being healthy and um, eating properly and, you know, there's so many studies now. People, the first option they always go to is is medication, which is fine. Like there's there's there is there are. I'm always I've always place. Yep. exactly. I've always been the one that's to preach and promote and say, hey, you know, like you probably should be starting on medication. Like um, that's that's a good pathway to go on because it you know it helps you regulate your emotions and you don't have the ability to to really control those emotions. So it helps you just put a couple of barriers in place. But you know. In line with that, you need to look at other things. Medication isn't going to fix you. So things like diet and things like fitness are two things that are really undersold in the mental health um, kind of world and they're really undersold on the impact they can actually have on your life. And just, just simple things like changing your diet to a Mediterranean diet, for example, will change your mental health. Like it's, it's um, let alone actually adding a bit of exercise into that, let alone you know, doing doing a, a a bunch of other things like yoga, meditation, Pilates, those types of things. That you know, it all adds up and it all contributes. And and I feel like a lot of people these days, they're and not necessarily doctors, but a lot of people who go down the mental health path, they're all just quick. They're so quick to just jump onto. All right, I need to get medication. I need to go see a psych, and and that's going to fix me. And, yeah. and when it's not, like that's that's not going to fix you at all. Well, here's so a controversial statement. This is my line of thinking on um, some of what you've just said. Mm. I don't necessarily believe in mental health um, outright. I just believe in health as a holistic point of view. Yeah. 
for example, if you have a healthy mind, you will also have a healthy body yep. for you know all the flow on effects of what you do to have a healthy body. And in in reverse, and I'm not exactly sure what the what the numbers on this are, um, but I'd go out on a limb and say that um, people with a healthy body in turn also have a healthy mind. And uh, obviously, there's people that battle through problems, et cetera, et cetera. But if you just have that consistent application of you know I need to go. Uh, train or need to exercise or need to do this, um, that constant application still gives you a framework of what you have to do throughout a day to have a successful day. And like having all those small victories, ultimately, like that's that's happiness, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I feel like shit if I've had a week where I've, you know, I've had a to-do list of X amount and I've achieved none of them. Um, that pisses me off. Yeah. Uh, for example, if I have an injury, I can't train what I want to do or I can't do an activity that I enjoy doing. Um, okay, that's that's one let down there. Okay, then we go into what am I doing work-wise? Okay, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Okay, I also can't do uh, X, Y, and Z now as well. Right, so now everything is out of whack. So yeah. I think to sort of get yourself back on track holistically, you need to start somewhere. Doesn't matter where it is, just pick something, be that physical, mental, spiritual, what will you? Pick one thing and then get into a habit of consistently applying that and then pick the next thing. Like go from, okay, we've got physical is now in check. I'm training X amount of days and um, I'm not a superstar, but you know what? I'm, I'm pretty happy with how things are going. On to the next one. All right, I'm going to consistently apply and, and do this now. Yeah. And I think consistent application of doing little things just leads to big achievements. Like there's, there's no other way around it. And um, I think uh, Dan Pronk, you, you uh, might've heard of. Yeah. 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 I don't know him, but I know a lot of his work and he's, oh, yeah, yeah he's no, absolute machine. legend. Um, and for those people that don't know him, look him up. Uh, he's got a book called average 70 kilo dickhead. Um, so in a nutshell, ex army special forces uh, doctor, um, entrepreneur and uh, you know he writes in his books about you know how he was a, a doctor who passed selection like that's that's no sm- small feat no I don't know any of those things by itself i.e um you know passing selection that's that's a for some that's a lifetime achievement you know that's that's one of those um things that you can notch on your belt and you know you can say like i've i've done that and and dan prongs is just doing like one after the other yeah uh, and, and he talks about that in his book of like, you know, pick a small goal and consistently work towards that. Um, and even to the point where you can have multiple small goals ongoing at the same time um, and each small achievement, you know, over a couple of years' time ultimately is a big achievement in one area and then you've got all your other goals in one line in another area. That You know, the, that's how you sort of rack up your achievements instead of just going, you know, oh, this is too big to wrap my head around of how to achieve this one goal that I want to achieve. You know, just look at the, like, what's the small goal of it? Like, what's the small version of what do you have to do daily to get to this big achievement? Yeah, do that. definitely, mate. Little wins is where it, where it's all at. It's all at. Um, Absolutely. But it really resonated with me there as well when you talk about health and when you talk about the difference of, I guess, your opinions of mental health and health being holistically. And that's, that's kind of really what I speak about as well a lot and i say like if you want to be mentally healthy you need to tick off four key things in life your physical health 
your emotional health uh, or your your physical health, your relationship health, uh, your financial health, and then your mental health. And those oh, are the, those 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 are the four key things. If you can tick off little wins in all those areas, then you're going to be healthy and you're going to be able to recover. And I get kind of sad sometimes when I see people that um you know that are suffering from uh, some type of mental mental illness and they turn around and they say you know I'm going to be stuck like this for the rest of my life and and, and you know what there are going to, there are some people that unfortunately are are too um, uh, damage is the wrong wrong word but are too I guess um, mentally ill that they're probably not going to be able to recover but the majority of people that go through a mental illness like depression anxiety uh, something on those lines. Um, uh, there's so many other different ones out there, but the, those are all, they're not curable, but they're all like, you can manage them. You can work with them. You can live a normal life. You can go back to being healthy. You can go back to being fit. You can go back to working. You can do whatever you want. You just have to apply the right techniques. And it all starts with exactly what you're saying there. It's being able to break down your goals into little wins. And how can I just do one step at a time and just keep my feet moving, you know, rather than being static. Cause it's when you're static, that's when you're, yeah, that's when you start getting really bad going down well, yeah it's also like it's kind of the being overwhelmed factor of yeah, like definitely um this is my situation right now you know and then being overwhelmed by the by the complexity and the totality of it like and it's it's easy to then accept defeat and go well this is me for the rest of my life or yeah. yep. um are you going to be one of those people that goes you know what I'm not going to be a victim of whatever it is. I'm not going to be a victim of my own fucking mind and just take control of something. Exactly. Uh, and for, for veterans, I think that's, it's a bit of a, um, it's a double-edged sword because a lot of us are very, you know, take the initiative, um, stay active, et cetera, et cetera. So when veterans leave the service they sort of leave their support network and this is something that i think veterans do very very poorly oh, yeah. um, is maintaining a network with guys that are in and guys that are out um, so for example one of the things that i found the most is um, guys that post-service um, start looking for jobs or careers or um, work that they can do in their local area they they don't have a network because they haven't been there for x amount of years um they haven't maintained a network in wherever it is that they've left or are going back to um and, and that's that's hard in itself right because there's no uh financial support i.e in the form of um you know having a mate that that might have a job or someone that might be able to put you in touch with someone that's looking to hire yeah uh, and yeah i think the the, the reality of what it is to leave defense to then figure out that, you know, the network isn't what it used to be, or I don't know who to talk to. Um, I think we really need to make a concerted effort of um, keeping some form of a network or, or creating a, a veterans version of um, support, which works all the way down to a grassroots level of um, community engagement where you know, for example, I live on the Sunshine Coast. There's um, a, a community network of, um, you know, veterans around here that do X amount. Go there, talk to the guys and figure out, you know, what's the go in this local neighbourhood and then, you know, all those things can sort of tie in yeah. to getting yourself back on track and that that's one of the things that when you say mental health is really affected, like 
for guys that leave the service, I feel like their mental health is um, probably, yeah, uh, under a bit of stress um, simply because of that that lack of network or who to talk to or or how do I? Yeah, that um, added the added pressure that that isn't there when they're when they're in the service. Yeah, exactly. Well, when when you're in the mill, you get your three squares a day, right? You get yeah. your um, your paycheck comes in every day at this day. Um, I can, you know, use that to um, basically plan my life financially of like, you know, how am I going to buy groceries this week? How am I going to do this, this, this? Um, then you get into the civilian world and it's a dog-eat-dog world. There's, you know, there's no, well, unless you're going into a, you know, a similar career, mm. there's no three squares. You've got to fight for your meal. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I found as well. Um, you know, I've done uh, eight and a half years all up in the mill and now uh, two and a half years contracting. Um, I don't really have that many qualifications to my name that actually mean something in the civilian world. Yeah. I.e., I don't have a degree, which is flat out the um, ticket to play. Yeah. Or I have I don't have a trade either, so yeah. um, they're the two tickets that you need to play to get a, a job that actually pays quite well. Yeah, and um, I, I sort of reverse engineered that and went, well, yeah, I, I don't have a degree, I don't have a trade, but at the same time, I'm not an idiot either. So uh, my uh, version of saying fuck the system was starting a business and employing myself. Yeah, definitely, and. and Obviously, these businesses are still scaling to the point where they can actually support myself, but I'm doing the monkey in the branch thing where I'm swinging on one branch at the moment and I'm going to grab hold of the next branch and test and see if it can hold my weight. Yep. And if that branch is good to go, I'm letting go of the last one. Yeah, just keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. Like, you, yeah, it's just sort of strategizing what your next move is going to be. Yep. Um, and I feel like a lot of guys don't strategize enough or they get too angry and jaded and just, you know, they hit the quit button um, to get out of the mill as fast as they can and then all of a sudden realise that they are not ready for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's times, sort of where a lot of issues start. Yeah, the amount of times I've seen people get out there um, and then I'm like, what are you doing now? Like, what's, what's your job now? And they're like, oh, I'm, you know, I bounce it down at a, a nightclub and stuff like that. That's my job. And it's like, well, mate, like, you, you need a plan. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you got to have a strategy. Don't get me wrong. Like when I, when I left the Marines um, and moved back to Australia, I um, I was a bouncer for a year and a half, two years. Yeah. Possibly. But if you um, had a, if you have a plan outside of that, then that's a, then that's, that's fine. You know, but if it's, if that's it and, and you've got no strategy of where you're going and, uh, and it doesn't have to be a bouncer. It can be anything. It's, but if you, you unfulfilled job, I guess when you, when you leave and, and, and that you, you don't have the same fulfillment that you did before, then, you're going to really struggle unless you have a plan as to how you're going to get yourself from point A to point B to get yourself back into fulfillment again. Uh, on that, I think there's there's a, a couple of versions to that story though because, and this is just simply coming from my mindset right now. Um, so go from, you know, awesome career in the middle, doing whatever you were doing um, and then leave and go into a career that might not be that fulfilling or a job that you're not that happy in. I think the trade-off is getting this like a large amount of freedom back because you know once you're a civilian, your job's just where you go to make your money, whatever it is that you want to do for the rest of your life. Versus when you're in the mill, a lot of things are decided for you, i.e., where you're going to live, what your posting is, what your job's going to be, and 
you know, uh, it's very sorry that you had plans that weekend, but you're going here and you're going to be doing this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very true. Yeah. And, and when you leave the mill, you sort of get all that freedom back. And I think to sort of put that into perspective is my frame of mind right now is I want to live my life how I want to live it with my family and I want to enjoy the freedom that I have. And I need to earn X amount to be able to provide for my family and myself to live a life that I'm happy with. Yep. And the the way I fill that in, i.e. the work that I do to, to create the income for that, um, you know, that to me that's not as substantial as what it used to be. Yeah. Uh, like, for example, when I first wanted to join the Marines, I was like, oh, you know, I was hell-bent on, you know, going fast and doing all this cool stuff and, you know, being in a job that meant something and, you know, people, uh, you know, the the titles and the, the accolades that come with certain positions, you know, that's enticing by itself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think you sort of need that um, personal strength about yourself to sort of let go of that, i.e., you know, you don't introduce yourself as that person anymore. You, you're just a normal guy now. Um, so that's, that's sort of my perspective on um, the, the trade-off. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah it's, what, it's, it's, what, what do I need to do during my working day to give myself enough money to live the life that I want to live right now? Yeah, and that's, definitely. You know, being able to surf when I want to surf, um, being able to – um, train and go places and travel and spend time with my family and that's you know you, for me that that's now the the biggest factor in my life um, and, and the career side is I guess not as important anymore yeah I'm with you there like it's we it's funny how similar we actually are and yeah mindsets and stuff because um you know people listening um we wouldn't know but we we kind of knew of each other beforehand but didn't know each other and and so we kind of knowing about each other's brands and obviously we speak about skilled earlier i have a skilled athlete sticker on my on my basketball chair actually <laughs> that's, that's yeah, been all, seen that. it's yeah, been all yeah, over the world that. with me and stuff like that and that's that's been on there for a while now and um and um but yeah it's it's funny how similar we actually are uh in our in our mindsets and and it's funny how like like-minded people they just tend to connect and tend to kind of gravitate towards each other but you know we we live our lives me and my wife we live our lives exactly the same with how okay how much money do we need to do to do what we want to do and you know like it's and it's not all about you know earning millions and all that kind of stuff anymore which it used to be about for me like it's it's now just about okay what, so what, do I, what do I want to do on that, life? Have you read The Barefoot Investor by any chance? I haven't read the book, no, but I do know a lot about the book. I've, I've followed a lot of his work for a long time, but I don't yeah. know. I haven't actually read his book. Uh, well, so you know you know, you know, know Scott Pape. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah read the book 100%. Um, and I, I like a lot of his perspectives on finance. Yep. Uh, and this is coming from a guy that knows the ins and outs of a duck's ass of what finance is. So, um, <laughs> For me to read his book and then go, oh, like unknowingly, I was already applying some of his principles. He just sort of like he, he dots the I's and crosses the T's and sort of explains like um, how to manage your finances better. And like his definition of wealthy is not material wealth. And yes. that's something that I can agree with as well. Like my my ego doesn't need stroking by, you know, living in a, a massive house and, and driving the, the fastest or newest car or whatever, um, which don't get me wrong, I enjoy 
having nice things. Yes, I'm the same. <laughs> but they don't define who I am as a person and they don't define me to the point where I need to get myself into debt to service my ego. Yeah. And I think this is something that a lot of guys need to wrap their heads around. Yes, yeah, a, lot I, of, a lot of blokes. One of my mates that. who's going to Iraq on Tuesday uh, with the um, Task Force Taji. Yep. Um, so he was telling me about a guy that uh, we both know um, who on deployment was buying $1,000 cigars. Yeah. Now, like, okay, I, I enjoy nice things as well but does it have to be a cigar that's $1,000? And like what financial plan did you have going into this deployment that meant you could service spending $1,000 on cigars? And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm judging or anything like that. If that's what he wants to do, that's fantastic. You should yeah. absolutely do that. I'm just saying as an example for um, guys that go into jobs like the military where all of a sudden they are making consistent money which has the potential to send them on deployments where they get a large influx of cash-free money, use that money wisely and don't put yourself into debt or get it up to the point where the defence owns you now because you rely on that, that amount of money to live your life that you can't leave the mill anymore. So as an extension of that, you're now angry, bitter, and this rubs off on everyone around you. Like they're, um, they're miserable creatures. Yeah. Uh, and by no other doing than their own. Yep. And but, it's not just, it's not just applicable to military as well. Like there's a, a lot of the, oh, no, the, the oil and gas mining industries, um, the transport industries, even, even some trades that are quite lucrative, you know, even, and especially, Absolutely. I mean, the guys that don't preach it enough and, and kind of, you know, go about the the financial industry. You know, that there's a lot of guys there that is just buried in debt, and and it's you know this this there's a lot of different um theories on debt and and good debt versus bad debt and those types of things. And there's a lot of great books and Barefoot Investors. Um, yeah, he's a great place to start. Um, the Richest Dad in Babylon is another great book to read, uh, which is all about timeless principles that have applied since the Babylonian area that still apply today. Mm-hmm. In, in financial terms, well, the black and white of finance is very easy. Like, yeah, it is. You know, it it gets complicated when Save you know banks have an interest in making it complicated. Yes. But the black and white of it is, you need more numbers in black than you have in red to be able to do more of what you want to do. Exactly. Um, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah but like very black and white. My perspective on what success is and what financial freedom is and and like my view what wealth is yep. is the ability to do what you want when you want to do it yeah not because you have to be somewhere at a certain time because the boss or whoever um, says that you have to be there and I think you are wealthier when you have more time where you can make decisions like that than less um, and Spending your money wisely, saving and investing uh, in the right ways ultimately lead you to be more wealthy, yes. i.e. Um, you, you have more time to more live time. your life the way you want to live yeah. your life. It's the only thing you can't buy. It's, time. it's the, also the only thing that you can't get back. Exactly. exactly Once man. it's spent, you do not get time back. <laughs> 
Exactly. This is how many times have you sat there and go, fuck, I never get that 15 minutes back. <laughs> <laughs> or in the army, hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go sit in the breezeway, boys. Okay. Uh, are we doing anything? No, yeah. just go sit there until I call you. All right. We've oh, been here for three hours already. Yeah. Like how many more hours are we going to do here? I always used to love the, I always used to love when the, the you know, the OC or BC, does artillery, so BC for me, like the, the, the boss would come in and me go, oh, I need everyone here by eight o'clock and so oh, no worries. And then, and then next minute, the, <laughs> the two I'll be like, I need everyone here by 10 to eight. And then oh, no worries. And then the next minute, the CSM is everyone here by, by 20 to eight. And then it's uh, slowly sleeps down until this poor digger's there at six o'clock in the morning, twiddling his fucking thumbs <laughs> because everyone's put a timing on, on everything. And then it's to, to make everyone else's timings and it's a, I think my worst, verse, my worst version of that was three o'clock in the morning at the armory for a nine o'clock departure to go to the range, something like that. That's bullshit. I mean, then the boss rocks up at you know, rocks up. I might not be an officer, but I think someone's nine. planning is a little bit off there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, we've we've had it. Fucking great segue there. We haven't even started the podcast. <laughs> we're, 40, we're 40 minutes in, so. <laughs> uh, classic. It's, it's, it's a great segue. Um, so uh, we'll briefly touch on, I guess, your your background first and because you, your, your story and your journey is, is quite incredible and it's quite really – it's really cool to kind of look at from a whole but it would be really even better to kind of explore it a bit and, and work out, you know, how you at first, I guess, how you got involved in the Dutch armies to begin with, and then, um, Marines, yeah, sorry, yeah. the Dutch Marines, and then, uh, and yeah. then, and then getting back to the to Australia afterwards. And, um, so yes, yeah, so take us take us through growing up. We had you mentioned off the podcast that you, you spent a lot of time in Europe growing up, so, um, yeah. yes, speak a bit about that first, uh, mate. First up, I was quite simply just a, a passenger for, for most of it. I, yeah. uh, I just ended up to be in a certain place at a certain time and. Um, just made the most of my time there. Yep. Um, so, in a nutshell, and I'll keep this very brief because this is going for ages. Nice. Uh, got time. <laughs> I was born Hawthorne um, in Victoria. Um, my old man used to be a pilot uh, for ANSET back in the day. ANSET had a strike, lost his job. Um, then KLM offered him a job. KLM based in uh, Holland. So, when I was four years old, we moved to Holland. Um, and I pretty much grew up there. Um, so I lived there until I was 23 um, yep. and moved back to Australia. Um, and, and sort of by extension of, of living there, you know, um, for example, this might sound strange, but it's just how it is. Um, I don't have an accent when I speak Dutch, but as you can tell, I also don't have an accent when I speak English. So, um, yeah. So you, so that would be that you speak Dutch like Dutch people speak, and then, but then you speak Australian like or English like Australian people speak. Is that what you mean by that? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. And sort of on that, like the Dutch are really big on their accents, kind of you know the way um, the Brits are with their accents. Yeah. Um, for example, by your accent, how you speak, the words you use, they can tell where you were born or where you were raised. Okay. Uh, and most of them thought that I was born in Amsterdam because that's how I sounded. Yeah. Um, so I think I just sort of like in development just hit the right place at the right time where, you know, I kept my English or my Australian accent and um, learned Dutch at the same time where I, I sort of learned that without an accent as well. So I think it was just sort of like a perfect storm, I guess. Yeah. 
And then your wife's Brazilian. Did I, I remember? I think I've heard heard that on the podcast as well. So that's that, that's there's like a incredible mix there of languages. <laughs> oh yeah, in the one and, household. And, yeah, by extension of that, I'm now learning Portuguese as well because yeah, uh, yeah I just had a little girl uh, and. Obviously, she's going to learn Portuguese, and yeah. I don't want to be that guy sitting on the outside, not knowing what you know, mum and my little girl are talking about, because they could be hatching all sorts of schemes. Oh, so it's in my own best interest to learn Portuguese, which I've been doing now. Is that a is that a similar language, or is that a is there a lot of any crossover oh, absolutely between not. that? No, nah, completely different. Yeah. No, that nah. sucks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, there's nothing to compare that to. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, um, so joining the the Dutch Marines, how did that come about? Um, yeah. So, uh, long story short, uh, I was living in Holland at the time. I was going to move back to Australia, start uni. Um, so, I actually made the move when I was eighteen years old, uh, and then within the first couple of months, uh, my old man, because sorry, my old man stayed behind um, to yep. do I think another five years on his um, contract before retirement. Yep. Uh, and his goal was then to move back to Australia as well. So uh, Australia, three months, he rings up, goes, hey, um, bad news, I've got lung, lung cancer. So um, that for me, that was like, oh, fuck, you know, yeah. drop everything where I am, uh, move back to Holland again. Yep. And um, at the same time, like I'd sort of, like I'd already said goodbye to all my best mates and, you know, everyone that I grew up with and, you know, like I'd pretty much said goodbye to them forever, like one of those kind of moments. Yep. And then three months later, I'm back again. And I kind of felt like I was marking time while I was there. Like even though my old man was going through chemo, um, I, I was like, I'm not doing anything. There's nothing that really interests me. Um, and I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to join the Marines. So um, it was like as far as military branches go with the Dutch, that's one of the um, things that you can do off the streets. As a civilian, it's the hardest thing you can get yourself into. Yeah. Um, which for obvious reasons that's why that appealed to me yeah definitely yeah. so yeah uh join the marines uh, their basic training is effectively the same as what the british royal marines do um I, it's a very um hard course to get onto also an even harder course to stay on um for example i think my course we had 135 total show up of which 28 graduated six months later. So um, attrition, very heavy. Yeah, um, definitely. A lot of it mental, some injuries, um, a lot of it are guys just go on, this fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, I can't blame them. Like, you no. know, Holland is an old place at, at the best of times. And, you know, it, in droves, you just see guys quit when it started to rain. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, the mental, yeah. the mentally break, and they're just like fuck this. <laughs> yeah, but like the environment that that is, it's like if if rain mentally broke you, we don't want you. That's sort of how they operated then. Um, I'm not yeah, sure definitely. if they sort of come around and gone. You know, we're losing too many people here because of this mindset. But at the same time, it created a lot of dudes that you were very happy working with because you know that you know. They weren't going to get emotional when it started raining, even yeah. though it's say one, two degrees and it's raining sideways and you've just, you know, had this slither of rain go down your, your back and it's just settled on your ass crack, you know, like that. Horrible theory. 
that that's what separates the men from the boys like the guys yeah. that smile at that and go oh this is terrible or the guys that just break yeah um, so yeah great environment uh absolutely love that so you did that for about four and a half years is that right yeah yeah so um yeah oh effectively um fuck, did a lot of courses while i was there so um actually got to spend a lot of time traveling uh, not just around Holland, but Europe in general. So um, pretty much saw all of Europe paid for by the Marines. So yeah, um, right. thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, did uh, one deployment with them with the 23rd Airborne. Uh, we went to Afghanistan in 2009 through to 2010. Yep. Um, where, interestingly enough, uh, I worked uh, alongside, sort of did a couple of jobs with uh, some uh, Aussies that were deployed to TK at the same time. Yeah, I was going to say you would have been at TK and then you know, yeah. would have been there at the yeah. same time as the Aussies. Yeah, so we worked alongside. So, for example, one of the guys that we worked with um, was with a um, OMLT and we used to use them for their ANA or AMP um, capability at the time. Yep. Um, and me being the Aussie, you know, the boss is like, go over there and liaise with them and make sure that they know what's going on and they're here at the right time and et cetera, et cetera. So I've walked over um, and obviously I'm wearing, you know, completely different kit, different uniform. Um, you know, we're out um, outside the wire at the time and I just walked up and I was like, hey, boys, how you going? Um, <laughs> and they were like, look, there's just these blank stares of like. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what? Uh, so, yeah, that was pretty funny. Um yeah, just one of those those weird things. Um, yeah, a couple of similar stories like that. Of um, I, there was a might have been an RSM. Or I wasn't too sure what the the rank structures were, but he was like back then. I had no idea who who was who in the zoo uh, as far as the, the Australian mill goes. But there was a fat guy with a big stomach, and um, he came up to me and started gripping me, and I was like, "Who the fuck are you?" Um, in his defense, he thought I was an Aussie digger that had just like whipped on a different uniform for oh, the right. day and like, <laughs> TK taking the piss out of things. So yeah. uh, when I told him to fuck off, I think he sort of realized that something else was going on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, funny. Yeah, very interesting. So what made you, I guess, leave the Dutch army and decide to come back to Australia? Um, hey, end of the day, Dutch all my Marines. family live in Australia, which is obviously um, – I haven't grown up without them around uh, for most of my life. Didn't really mean that much. Yeah. Um, but coming back and visiting on holidays, you know, you sort of you sort of start to meet people or, or know people more um, that are a lot like you simply because they're family. Um, and I sort of started to miss that a bit. So I wanted to move back to Australia um, because of A, family, and B, because of the weather. <laughs> yeah. I, I just simply flat out had enough of uh, Dutch weather. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah just depressing and like I love surfing and, and all that good stuff that, that goes hand in hand with good weather. Um, and yeah, Holland just simply wasn't ticking those boxes for me. So, um, yeah, picked up all my shit and moved back in December, 2010, 2010. And then did you, um, did you transfer directly into the Australian army or did you just, um, did you come back here first and go, Oh shit, what am I going to do? Oh, man, as well join the army here. Um, Oh, in a nutshell, another long story. Um, I, I got back and I had some money saved up. So first off, I took six months off and just went surfing every day, That's um, right. <laughs> which was amazing. Absolutely loved it. Um, regret nothing of that. Uh, and then uh, picked up a job um, 
uh, doing security. And then at the same time, I was like, I'm going to go back to uni and, and sort of get into that. Yep. Um, so I started uh, Newcastle Uni and I think I got very, uh, I guess I'd say I was disappointed with what university was. I, I, I think I had the wrong frame of mind of what university actually is. Yeah. Um, my perspective was, you know, highly intelligent people um, doing, you know, uh, amazing things and et cetera, et cetera, uh, in regards to, you know, uh, studies or, you know, sort of just driven and motivated people. And um, that was sort of the environment that I was hoping to land myself in. And I just found that that wasn't the case, um, both with, uh, you know, PhD professors and the students um, that were going to some of these classes. I was just like, oh. um, okay. So I decided to um, give that one a miss. Um and at the same time, I started looking at the Australian mill because I was sort of did a bit of an eval on myself of like, you know, um, ankles, knees, back, you know, everything, you know, body's still, still 100%. <laughs> um, so I've still got another run in me. Um, and I, I was looking very hard at um, Australian Special Forces. So that was sort of my main reason for re-enlisting. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, DFR weren't... Um, how do I say this, most open and forthcoming about their selection process. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sort of, because the only thing that I wanted to do was direct entry, right? Yeah. Um, because, you know, oh, like I've, I've been to the circus and, and I've seen how they train the zoo. I don't want to do this whole, you know, basic training and everything all over again then get to a normal unit and then have to do selection. So I was like, you know what, let's, let's do this. Um, and just for people who don't know about measure, Ted's talking about the direct entry pathway that gets you into the second commando regiment, the special forces in Australian army. Correct. Yeah. Sorry. Should have alluded to that. It's all good. Um, yeah. So long time sort of listeners that pathway and they, they just sort of uh, have heard that before. So they, they will know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they just sort of sold me a, 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 sold me a dummy really. They, um, they said, oh, you know, the program's not running right now. Uh, not sure when it's going to be up and running. Um, it would be faster if you went infantry and then um, when you get to, let's say, either Kapuka or Singleton, you'd be able to put your application in there and then et cetera, Ooh, et cetera. That's a now, for everyone that's listening and that has been in the Australian mill. That's a big lie. <laughs> that is not true. That's <laughs> <It's> very untrue. <laughs> yeah. I found this out as well. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, fast forward a couple of years, um, I'm now at uh, 6RAR and um, still same drive, same motivation, wanted to do this and we had a CEO that was not signing off on any core transfers or any selection apps. So that put me in another holding pattern for about three years. Um, when I did finally get to put my application in for selection, sorry for everyone from 2Commando that may or may not be listening. Um, I put my application in to go uh, for the SASR, um, which was finally granted. Um, and, yeah, unfortunately, I was unsuccessful. Um, uh, long story short, uh, on one of the night navigation legs, um, had a tumble, um, hit my knee pretty bad. Tried to sort of bang through it for the next three days. Um, the writing was sort of on the wall when... I physically couldn't bend my knee anymore. That was sort of like, uh, this, 
this is all bad from here. Um, cause I like, I'd met all the gates. I'd, I'd sort of met all the requirements to, to be on the selection course. I just sort of needed to, to sing it out. Um, yeah, um, yeah unfortunately, um, with, with a, with one knee that wasn't going to work. Um, so I was granted a, um, a medical withdrawal from the course and, um, yeah, when I got back to my unit, um, they sort of did the whole window or aisle seat option. Um, do you want to do this course or do you want to do this or we'll have a promotion for you or whatever? And I, all I wanted to do was, you know, that one reason why I'd re-enlisted was, well, no, I've been recommended to return, so I'd like to do that. Yep. Um, and, yeah, they just weren't supportive of that, um, which sort of led me down the path of like, well, you're not the gatekeeper, I'll transfer to reserves and I'll do that there. And um, yeah, like we were just talking about before, now I've left the mill um, and sort of, it's kind of like a weight's come off my shoulder and I've, I've sort of, I've relaxed a lot more. Yeah. Um, that that drive also went away when I left the mill. Yeah. Like now I've got a family and, you know, um, all the good stuff that, that comes with living on the Sunshine Coast, um, being able to live my life how I want to live it. Um, you know, that motivation to go through all of that again is just, uh, just sort of faded away. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not disappointed. You know, I've, I've, um, tested my medal. Unfortunately, I came up short, but I still, still had a crack at the title. And, um, you know, now I'm 32, um, realistically to go through all that again, you know, how many years do I have left in me? And do I want to put the family through all of, all of that and you know the extended time frame away from home um it's just yeah the the lifestyle that goes with it um and more like the family lifestyle that goes with it just isn't appealing to me anymore yeah definitely yeah yeah it's kind of like you it's funny how you even little things now like <laughs> it's probably gonna laugh when i when i say this but uh, and hopefully people don't judge me but like when it when it rains like i'm like you know what i don't have to Go in the rain. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can choose not to get wet. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Little shit like that. Like you, your priorities in life change, and you're like, you know what? I don't have to live in the shit conditions if I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, and this is the thing, right? My mentality changed as the day Evie was born. Like yeah, it was already exactly. sort of changing well before that. But yeah, yeah, because you got to get through that. Older for the first time, I, that was where the realization sunk in. And I know there's guys that do this, and same in contracting as well. That you know, have families, young kids, and still, um, you know, either fly in, fly out, or you know, work extended times overseas, or go on long deployments. And um, I know it's it's a possibility. It's just that's not something that I want to do. I want to be there for my family. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it, like the re- realization has just come in that it's not about me anymore. You know, like all those um, lofty goals are. Um, admirable, but I, I don't think they're, um, yeah, I, I don't think they're very family friendly. Um, they're very um, personal goals. Yeah. And I, I'd feel a little bit selfish if I went down that um, path again. Obviously, I still need to be happy and, you know, doing and working in a capacity that I find enjoyable, but at the same time, there needs to be balance. And I, I don't, I, I don't feel like those, um, to go hand in hand, so so you currently yeah. you currently do contracting for um, for security companies overseas, and you're doing two on 
one off or two months on, one month off. How do you, how are you going with the balance there? Well, uh, at the moment, I've got some extended time off yep. um, because I wanted to make sure that I was a home for Evie's birth and b um, to be able to support my partner for you know when she was born and um, be able to you know experience those first couple of months of her life. Yeah, um, and I'm working a few angles at the moment where you know um, if I don't have to go back, fantastic. Um, if I do, um, it's with a definite view to um, uh, making sure things are in motion where I don't have to. Um, in the future. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so seeing almost, almost like seeing out the contract and then, yep, no worries. I'll uh, go in a different direction. <laughs> oh, more like the, the monkey in the branch story, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, sort of testing the weight of the next, next branch before you let go. Yeah. And then there was, I guess the, I guess the contracting, um, we, we won't touch on that too much because I know there's a lot about that you can't, can't talk about but there was a gap where they left you in the lurch for about five months or so and this is really um where your business opportunities were born is that that about right yeah yeah so um yeah long story short i'd uh i quit my job with the australian army um and you know within the time frame of um the amount of days that i had saved up you know that was when i was supposed to be um going over and, and starting that new job. Yep. Um, unfortunately, as uh, events sort of turned out, um, that didn't happen. And I had about four weeks of leave left um, where I was still getting paid. And then, you know, there was a, a definite day of like, this is your last paycheck. You were not getting paid by the army after this. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have, well, uh, un- unbeknownst to me, I didn't know of anything where I was going to at the time. So it was, that was my sink or swim moment where I was like, okay, um, I've got a limited amount of time where um, I have limited resources and finances to keep my head above water. And I started applying for some, you know, menial jobs that would tie me over until, you know, something actually came through. Yeah. And I wasn't even getting phone calls. Um, as in, like, I wasn't even getting invited for interviews. Yeah. And, um, I think that that kind of put a dent in my ego. Yeah, it uh, does. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I hear because it's hard for it's, it's changing a lot lately, but it's still really hard for veterans to kind of get a foot in the door, unless you, especially if you don't have a degree, and which I'm the same as you, I don't. And, um, and people, well, I was applying for jobs that didn't even require degrees, and I still no, wasn't getting phone yeah, calls. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what I was doing there, but oh, um, dude, I went yeah, through like it, for, just, it just for months. like things weren't going my way, and yeah. um, you so know, long. instead of going, oh, this is fucked. You know, everything's gonna, you know, uh, I'm gonna sink uh, in the next couple of weeks. So I went, fuck it. I went for approach number two. Um, so I kept applying for jobs and whatever, still not getting any phone calls. Um, so in the background, I came up with a plan um, to do like um, like a handyman service. Um, yeah. And for those that know me, they also know that oh, I'm not very handy. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I basically just printed out a business card, a um, couple of flyers, and started going door-to-door with all the real estate agents um, in my direct neighbourhood. Yep. Uh, advertising services. Um, a, I didn't have any tools, no equipment. Uh, I didn't even have public liability insurance. Oh, God. Uh, I, I knew what I need, but I didn't actually have that. Yep. Um, so I went around, advertised all my services, and 
I think after three days or something, I got a phone call from a real estate agent um, uh, on the north side of Brisbane. Um, can you come in and do a quote for this job? I'm like, sure can. What is it? Um, I can't remember what it was, but um, the way they explained it to me, I was like, as soon as I said, yes, I can, I was like, I've got no idea how to quote for anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just sort of reverse engineered everything and uh, rang up someone else that did similar services in the neighborhood, um, got, a, got a quote from him over the phone, um, then went and quoted that exact same price to the, uh, the real estate <laughs> agent that I attended with that same afternoon. Um, and then she said, yep, good, when can you start? And I'm like, oh, I can get started tomorrow, I guess. So um, that same afternoon, I rang up, got my public li- uh, liability insurance sorted and uh, went to Bunnings and bought the tools that I needed for that job. Um, and it just sort of snowballed from there. So, um, yeah, I went from, I think, what's, what's a, uh, making about 70 odd K or something like that, um, with, with the army. And then, um, to, I think three weeks of running this business, I was already making more money, um, doing that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Well, mate, oh, again, like I, I just feel like I was a passenger for this ride, right? Um, yeah. Uh, I think I was just, I got lucky um, because I've heard people describe entrepreneurship um, as jumping off a cliff, assembling the plane before you hit the ground. Yeah, pretty um, much. That's absolutely what happened. Um, <laughs> and thank fuck my plane took flight. Um, yeah. And it, it sort of grew to the point where um, I needed extra people. Um, yeah, right. And I like first thing that came to mind was like oh fuck you know i know a couple of boys might want to make you know extra couple of dollars on the weekend i'll I'll, um i'll see if they want to come over and help out and i'll just pay them cash for their for their effort yeah and so yeah they did um so uh boys that did you know who you are thank you very much (laughs) and at this stage the um the job offer for uh the overseas contracting role came up again um and the business was sort of really, really starting to gather some steam at this stage. Yeah. Uh, so I left it in control with them and I said, look, boys, um, you know, take this for what it's worth, as in like try and make the most out of it uh, of, as what you can. Um, any jobs that come up and you, you want to do them, just take them um, and, and take the payment for it as well. And if we can keep the business running and you guys can make some money out of it, awesome. Um, it, it got to the point where it was too much work for them to do on weekends. Um, and, um, yeah, they were just like, look, we're working every single weekend. Like, you know, the, the cash is great, but, um, it's sort of driving me insane at the same time as well. So yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, we folded that, um, eventually, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. Like it just, you know, I'll put my hat in the ring and it just sort of, it went nuts. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't have predicted that. I had no idea what I was doing to start with. So, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It seems like that's a re- almost like a repeat, um, I guess, like a repetitive kind of uh, moment for you because I know you spoke in the past about when you jumped into skilled athlete, you had nothing, you had no idea about clothing. And when you jumped into to, to triple strategy, you know, you'd learnt everything you needed to do for triple strategy, which is one of your other businesses, um, that yeah. uh, in contracting for – 
in video, videography and social media, all those types of things and marketing and stuff, you, you know, you really had, you, you had to learn everything you had to do to run that business as well. So it's, it's almost like a, um, yeah, it's a common theme here that you just, you just jump in, oh yeah, this looks good. And, and I'm just going to work out how I'm going to do it and I'm just going to do it. And yeah, like you uh, say, look, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> here's the thing, right? Everyone knows what a good red wine tastes like and they know what a shit good like a shit red wine tastes like yeah um well not all people that sit there in the restaurant and sniff the cork and bloody swill the wine and, and know the vintage and whatever um i apply this to everything in life i know what something good looks like and i know what something bad looks like um and then i just sort of put two and two together and go okay um someone's already doing this somewhere else I look at how they do everything, which you can do online. You can research, you know, competitors, um, you know, supply chains, like everything. You can you can look all that shit up. The the information is there. Um, I just go, okay, I want to do this. How am I going to do that? Uh, okay, I need to start here, and then sort of just start ticking all those boxes because I was very cash poor but time rich. So yeah. I turned that into. Time rich means I have a lot of time to learn, um, and the information is readily available. Like the internet is fucking amazing. Like, yeah, definitely. You can find anything that you want to know online and for free, um, and that's just quite simple. Yeah, that's, that's what I did. Um, I looked up what I wanted to do, figured out how I needed to do it, um, and then the black and white of it is you just need to do it. Um, yeah. yeah, like I talked to so many guys that ask me about my businesses, how I do things. And um, they come up with these plans that are far better than anything that I've ever done. Yeah. Like, some of them have these amazing business plans um, and, you know, they have the finances and they have like every, like all the ducks are in a row. Yeah. Don't execute on it. And execution is the only thing that really matters in business. I mean, obviously you if you're going to be investing money, you want to do it properly. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to be investing into a, you know, dud idea or into, in, or not necessarily a dud idea, but into something that's not well researched or you know, understanding your market and those types of things. But actually taking that jump and actually yeah, but putting it like in the you process. You can start a business without spending any money as well, or you, you can, can yeah. you can start a business with spending ten bucks or yep. fifteen bucks. You know, like you can do that. Um, it just comes down to are you willing to do everything else in between that normally costs a lot of money. Like, yeah. for example, I, I wanted to start a business um, and I needed a website to do that. So I figured out how to build a website. I build a website now. Now I need, you know, oh, what's the next thing I need to do? Okay, I need to start bringing customers in. How am I going to do that? Well, social media is fantastic. Um, you know, social media has, has quite literally accounted for um, the massive growth that I've experienced through um, Skilled Athlete and High Speed Coffee. Yeah. Uh, and... That's simply because I'm putting my personal experiences and my own spin on something that other people are already doing way better than I am. Yeah. Because of what my niche is, um, people are attracted to that. Um, So for me, it's important to put my money where my mouth is and um, do what it says on the box, um, which is, you know, being invested in in my community and and paying it forward with the veteran community and um, you know people that are doing fundraisers and you know I might not be able to be there physically but I'll still figure out a way to either support them or or put the word out there or um, 
you know, put them in touch with people that um, might be able to help. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the sky's really the limit when you want to pay it forward or you want to do something. Like everyone always goes, oh, it's cash. It's, it really isn't. I, I think that cash is a, is a, is a cheap cop-out for um, not being willing to, to invest your own time in it because, yep. you know, yeah, I don't know. That's no, I agree. A lot of the, a lot of success I've had is just been by, um, exactly what you say, just paying it forward and just giving rather than trying to take. And the more I, the more I turn to, the more I like generally give, and the more I generally try and either whether it's my time, advice, um, whatever it is, uh, you know, it's something of me that I'm giving. The the more I tend to get back, and I tend to get back in ten volts. You know, I tend to yeah. get, you know, you give give time to people, and then all of a sudden opportunities open up elsewhere and yeah and, and then those those doors keep opening and 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 you know you can you can then you get the opportunity to choose which door you want to go in and you don't have yeah. to you know you don't have to take the only door that's available for you and but the only the only place i've really gotten to that is is when i started to get out of my own head and started to you know to give back to not just um the veteran community but you know just mostly the veteran community but outside of that as well and just in general community and local communities and stuff like that as well and being able to yeah, lend my time elsewhere and saying, "Hey, I'll, I'll give you this time for free." There's nothing. There's no. There's no. But there's no catch here. There's no bargain or anything. It's just I just want to help. And then and then generally you you get so much in return. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's the thing, right? Like, um, it's kind of a it's a very fine line to walk where um, there are people in the veteran community, even veterans themselves. Um, that have done some fucking dodgy shit and these people know who they are, they're fucking dicks and they're being chased down by, you know, the authorities and uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm not going to name names here, but there are um, certain organisations and one that um, comes to mind right now is Walking Wounded. Um, I don't so know. Him, yeah. have you heard of that guy? Uh, is he from WA? I'm not sure where he's from. Uh, I know. Oh, I do. Yeah, I don't want to say it just in case it's not the same guy. Yeah, anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave the names and all that kind of stuff out of it. But this, this fucking guy, um, what, defrauded $1.3 million um, that was donated to him by veterans and their families. Yeah, right. Um, you know, he, he used um, the, the, family of, the families of fallen veterans to, um, you know, get his charity out there and... Um, in a nutshell, what he just did is he hooked that charity up to his personal bank account and went shopping, bought holidays, beers at the pub, you know, just everything. Like, I feel like people like that have damaged um, the perception of what it means to um, do something inside the veteran community and, and charities as a whole, you know, like it's one thing to collect money and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But how, like, how do we know that money is actually being spent in the way it needs to be. Yeah. Um, that's sort of like, I'm, I'm very cautious and I'm very, um, very aware of, you know, all these, these organizations that handle themselves like that, their phrasing and the way they word things and et cetera, et cetera. It's, it all sounds very legitimate. Yep. And it all sounds very, um, you know, fantastic. And at the same time, I look at, you know, how I say or do things. I'm like, Oh, like, I don't want to. I don't want to fit in that public perception of like, oh, he's just another another one of those, you know. So I, I do a lot of things in the background 
and I keep my business out of it and I do them because of the contacts that I've gained through the business and, and the influence and, and people that I can reach through it. But I'm, yeah, I'm very wary of um, what you're putting your name next to, essentially, what you're putting your yeah, business Yeah, and look, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm, I'm quite apprehensive because it's, I don't know, it's, it's one thing to do something because you want to support something. And um, if my business name is attached to that, then I don't want that to be seen as promoting my business name. But at the same time, like, how do you let people know that, you know, I want to do something for good. I'm not here to promote myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very fine line, and it's very hard to get that across. So I, I've done some things in the past where um, you know I'll do them behind the scenes, and you know people that know the business for what it is know that I actually do these things, but I don't think that really comes across. And it's like that's hard to put on a website as well. Or like you know, a lot of people that are legitimately struggling, they don't want to be PR pieces. This is just how it is. Yeah, definitely. And. Like I know there's a, a lot of um, veterans out there that are legitimately struggling and the last thing that they want is a fucking spotlight on them. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's just not how you do business, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm trying to skate that that very thin ice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very similar. I, I mean, and in my – anything I'm doing is, is just pales in comparison to, to what you've built between your, your three businesses you've and the ones in the past but like i'm very conscious on if i'm putting a brand in front of something what am i putting in front of where's that going to lead to who even if it's my name and if, my, if i'm putting my name on something like it's got to it has to be viewed in the right um in the right way because you know the last thing i need is is negative media or um or, or, or someone taking something out of context and and perceiving me to be something i'm not or um, yeah, dragged, and look, he, here's the thing, right? We, we both know what our frames of mind are and what our intentions are. Um, and, mate, my, my consciousness is clean. I know I'll, I'll always strive to do the best of what I can do. Mm. And regardless of how you turn it, there's always going to be these sour fucks that, you know, just want to piss on everyone's parade because they're angry with the world and the last thing that they were presented with was your name, your podcast, your business or whatever. And these are the people that'll, you know, leave negative comments or, you know, um, you know, just just try and slander something for the fact that they're, I don't know, bored, angry, whatever. Yep. To those people, all I can say is, fuck you. I, I really don't care. <laughs> yeah, um, that's it. I, I know I feel the same. I had a few um, negative ones, and I'm just like, ah, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. So look, mate, I, when when um, skilled athlete was still early days, um, I had a banner up in the in the gym at work and um that banner all of a sudden went missing um overnight yeah somehow disappeared um no one knew where it went someone takes uh, it and that led me down the line of going oh really i what i'm doing pisses people or pisses someone off so much that they're willing to you know destroy something or you know they have bad intentions with something and that led me down the line of going you know what if that pisses that person off so much i'm going to sell them and i'm going to try and get as many out there in australia that it doesn't matter where you turn you'll always see one yeah (laughs) (laughs) so that was that was sort of the driving factor of like um yeah another fuck you to to whoever that was you know yeah um, if that's how you want to conduct yourself that just gave me more drive and more fuel for the fire yeah, definitely. 
So with everything that's going on in your life and the fact that you're, you know, I, I know you're you're now a father, but you, I guess you the Evie was born. Uh, I think was it three or four weeks ago. You were saying before, yeah, three weeks ago, yeah, yeah. So, but how do you manage your time across all of that? Because you got a lot on. You you two on one off at the moment. You you're running three businesses. Like how, plus doing everything else you do in the background. You know how do you actually manage? I, yeah, there's there's one more to add to that list as well. I'm, I'm currently studying an MBA as well. The, yeah, you did tell me that. Yes, you did tell yeah. me you were studying an MBA. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so how do you piece all that together and still find time to, you know, do what you what you love, which is as you said before, spending time with your family and and doing the things you love, like surfing and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, of obviously the two months when you're away, that's that's um. That's pretty self-explanatory there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I sort of do it as a bit of um, um, when we were talking about small goals before. Um, my way to achieve these small goals is through um, setting myself up for success. Um, and, and what I mean by that is my habit setting has changed. For example, I used to play video games and um, watch fucking bulk shit TV shows. Um, I've changed my habits. Um, instead of watching crap on TV or playing video games, I do something productive. Yeah. Um, and to the point where it's such a habit now that um, I get enjoyment out of doing something productive and to the point where um, I'll, I'll sort of kind of like um, yeah, fitness and dieting where, you know, if you have a hamburger, you sort of feel like you cheated yourself. I'm kind of the same if I, if I uh, watch like a shit TV show now because I'm like, oh, fuck, that's 30 minutes that I could have or an hour that I could have spent doing this, you know. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, so, so, yeah, for me it was definitely setting my habits um, in, in a successful manner and uh, like one of the examples for that would be um, – to study Portuguese, um, I downloaded a Duolingo app, um, which is free, and um, I put a, um, a reminder in my calendar for every single day at exactly the same time for 30 minutes, and there's an alarm that goes off before it, says go study Portuguese, yep. uh, until that became a habit. Every morning I'd wake up, alarm go off, bang, yep, open up the app, do my 30 minutes. Um, and, and that sort of got me down the track of, of doing that. Um, and I do the same with business and I do the same with study. Um, you know, I sort of strategize everything of like what needs the most amount of my attention now and what can wait. Um, and yeah, I just, I just sort of plan my life around doing that. Um, and in, in the same vein, the MBA that I'm studying at the moment, um, i specifically picked Central Queensland University um, and their MBA in leadership course because it was fully self-paced um, and you literally just follow the bouncing ball in whatever time that you want to do it to complete the course. Yep. Uh, that fits my lifestyle. Um, you know, I don't have time to go to lectures and do whatever. You know, I've, I'm already running a business, so safe to say that, um, you know, the hands-on experience of what it means to run a business right now. Um, I get that. So I want to augment that with um, the MBA that I'm doing because I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of that in a nutshell. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, it's perfect, man. Perfect. And if you could give any advice to, it doesn't have to be veterans or just, just people out there that, 
you know, are looking to 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 take that leap into entrepreneurship and and starting a business, you know, what would that be? What do you think that the first initial advice you give to someone? Just fucking do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's good advice. <laughs> yeah, very, yeah, no, very black and white, man. Um, look, there's there's probably a lot more to that because I know a lot of people have a lot of questions. Um, in the same time, uh, you, you can, you know, if you have a question about something that you might be thinking of doing, you know, um, get in touch with me. I'm, I'm more than happy to help out. And um, you know, we'll have all your links in the show notes as well. Sorry, we'll have all your links in the show notes as well, so that people, if they if they do want to reach out to you, they can and um and they can they can get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like for example, through Triple Strategy, um, I create websites. I advise on marketing. Um, I, I create um, you know, Google ads, um, Facebook ads, Instagram ads. Um, you know, I, I understand intimately how all of these things work. Yeah, uh, and I've simply done that by investing my time into it. You know, I didn't, I haven't done any course. I've just used my own business as a guinea pig, and then tested and adjusted as I've gone. And I've, I've, I know what works. I know what doesn't work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, for example, um, to start skilled athlete, I spent uh, nine dollars on a, a um, buy button for Facebook through Shopify. Yeah, um, and like. Nine dollars over a month. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, that was that was quite literally how that business started. Yeah. Um, so you know, people that think you know you've got to spend one, two, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars to get something up off the ground. Bullshit. You just you could spend three bucks and get started. Like that's exactly that's exactly yeah. like if you, the same. This goes for like I get all the time when people um, starting podcasts. They always like to me or you know how and and we were speaking before about equipment that I use now and um you know Bram uses the same kind of stuff for his his podcast and, and it is it is expensive once you get up to this level but I didn't start with this. I started with, you know, a fifty dollar mic and my laptop. That was it. And yeah, and well, even that even that was still that was still borderline too expensive. Like you could start with a phone and there's a there's a hosting platform called anchor.fm which is completely free, which will push your podcast out to every single podcast platform that you the the main distributors on the on the on the planet for free yeah. and um you can even cut and edit and do everything with inside that one little app and that's on your phone you can just yeah. record on your phone straight on your phone and then away you go you well, know, like you're saying right the the possibilities are out there and especially with the internet like we're is, talking yeah. over the internet right now yeah exactly yeah we're using yeah. zoom at the moment which which you have to pay for but you can use skype which is um completely the right. same yeah. you just you need a you need a second party app to be able to record um, like the possibilities are endless. Like oh, everything is there if you want to do it. And I think, and this is something that I still kind of struggle with a little bit, kind of don't anymore because I really don't care what people's opinions are. But I know a lot of people out there, and especially guys that have been in the mill, struggle with the public perception of what it is that they're doing. Mm. Uh, for example, you know, I start a business, you know, there's a lot of guys that are like, oh, look at this guy, what the fuck is he doing, da, da, da. Yeah, And then a, there's, you know, poppy. there's an poppy equal amount of people on the other side, you know, going, fucking good on you, man, having a crack and doing this and et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's a great way to figure out who, who your real friends are. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, if, if you have an idea of I want to do something and, you know, Whoever it is, it's your best mate at the time goes, oh, that's a shit idea. You shouldn't do that. Well, look, what would people think of you doing that? Reevaluate that. Is he your, you know, like what, 
does he really have your best interest at heart or is he just worried about what other people think yes. or extension of himself? So Yeah. Um, and that yeah, you, just, you just like we I wasn't even planning on talking about that, but you just touched on something that's really big with me is that I've audited my friends. And and you know oh, I've been through and I've worked out all right who brings value, who doesn't bring value. And I you know, I keep my really close friends close and then I have a lot of other acquaintances that I, that I still speak to, that I'm still friendly with, but I don't give my time as much as I used to to those to those people. And that's just that's just the way life is. There's some mates that I have that I'll always be best mates with and we when we never speak and that's that's okay because that's the way we've always kind of been. And then when we do talk, we're just still best mates. But, yeah. you know, like there's, there's a lot of times where I've just said, oh, okay, well, I don't feel like I'm getting a lot out of this relationship. Like I feel like it's a lot of take and not a lot of give, and and what is the benefit for me in this? Am I am I growing by being a part of this relationship? Well, I'm not. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm going to move on, and they're hard decisions you need to make in life. But sometimes, yeah, just auditing your friends and auditing the five people that you're closest with that's that, that's a good start. Yeah, that that whole business about you know you are the product of the, the five. five people that you spend the most amount of time with. I I strongly believe that. Yeah, I'm I'm 100 percent on board yeah. with that. I, I strongly believe that. Um, so, yeah, auditing your friends, absolutely, 100%. Um, and at the same time, if you have a plan of doing something, um, that's a great way to figure out, you know, who's adding value and who isn't, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Some people will offer to help out. Others will be like, mm, not too sure about that. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. fair, man. Like everyone, everyone has their opinion on something that they like and don't like, and that doesn't mean that, you know, if someone doesn't like one of the three businesses that are run or doesn't like any of them, that's cool. Yeah. You know, we don't have to talk about business all the time. Like we can yeah. talk about other shit and we can still be friends. You know, yeah, I, I have a lot of friends sport. like that. But, you know, I have absolutely no interest in business. So I don't talk business with them. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's a hundred different subjects to talk about. Um, out of interest, they might say, oh, how are things going? Uh, but that doesn't mean they want me to launch into a tirade like, you know, this last hour and a half that we've had about <laughs> everything that's been going. It's more just like a, uh, it's a nicety and, and move on and talk about other shit. So, um, yeah. There's a crowd for everything. Noting that we are at an hour and a half, I'll probably ask my my last question for you. Um, <laughs> so the question that I kind of pose to everyone that comes on the on the podcast is is simply, what does it mean to be a healthy bloke to you? Oh yeah. Uh, what does it mean? Um, I'm very holistic in how I look at things. Right. Um, being healthy means mentally healthy, physically healthy. Um, you know, you've got all your ducks in one row in regards to, um, you know, how you treat and spend time with your family, um, how your finances are sorted. Um, you know, that's, that's my perspective of health. It's sort of just having everything squared away. Um, yeah. In the same vein, you know, you can be an expert in one area, but that just means you're going to be a novice in a lot of other areas. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, health is holistic. There's, there's no other way about it. Yeah, that's perfect, mate. It's a it's a perfect answer. Um, it's it's actually that one right. yeah no, well, there's no wrong answer really because it's it's kind of everyone's everyone's opinion. And what I was going to say is actually really good is that you know a lot of the um, a lot of the the comments I get or the answers I get are all are all different, but they kind of everyone always kind of whether or not they say it outright that it's holistic or whether or not they um they just allude to it in their answers you know 90 percent of the time people have always kind of come across and said you need to have a holistic approach to your health like it's not just one facet it's not just being mentally strong it's not just being 
physically healthy it's being it's being everything in one and that's kind of like the it's really good because it's obviously what i um what i kind of preach to people or not preach but kind of spread to people and so it's to, to hear that from everyone from veterans to entrepreneurs like yourself to to you know like one of the australia's greatest basketball coaches rob beverage to ex-afl player alapati carlisle like everyone this constant the same type of thing is you know address yourself holistically first and then you'll be able to be healthy and and so it's it's good to good to kind of hear that yeah oh, well, i'm glad we're all sort of in uh, i'm sitting in the line with uh, some of those names you mentioned there so maybe i'm picking the right people <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i appreciate that um <laughs> pick and choose who i have depending on that answer <laughs> Isn't that how they define mental illness? Like, oh, I'm not sure, maybe, you know, 30, 40 years ago or maybe even longer than that, 60 plus years ago, uh, mental illness was um, behaviour that deviated from normal. Um, yeah. You know, okay, well, What's let's <laughs> just remove the mental part from that, you know, behavioural parts of health that deviate from the norm. Um, let's get them back to normal. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, mate. Um this has been awesome. This is this we've yeah, like we said, we've gone nearly. Or I think we would have gone. I've got to deduct a bit of time before because of our shit talking beforehand. I reckon we've gone <laughs> just uh, just about an hour and twenty near, near on there. So it's a, it's yeah, a nice. lot of content. Um, and to be honest, you know, we I look at my notes in front of me here, and a lot of the stuff we've uh, like we're going to talk about was kind of like um, your background and that kind of stuff and we end up just touching on those and but then delving so much into so much other awesome stuff like it's there's just so much content in this uh, in this episode I just loved it mate so thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for agreeing to come on and then then for also for giving us this access to you because it's um yeah anyone listens to this episode it's going to be it's going to be a lot of benefit to them Oh, well, I, I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, this is the second podcast I've ever done to date. So <laughs> if there's a lot of ums and ahs and lost trains of thought and whatever in there, uh, I'm sure you can edit that out. But nice. uh, yeah, no, I really appreciate the opportunity. And um, yeah, it's been fantastic. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we actually got somewhere. Yeah, no, it was awesome, mate. It was really good. Okay, that is all for this episode. And what an fucking awesome episode it was we delved into so much content there's so much content i was writing notes throughout the whole entire episode so i hope you guys can go out there re-listen to those episodes that are important to you and get some key takeaways we'll be posting up a lot of key takeaways from this episode throughout the week before we prepare for our next guest next week which has already been recorded and is i am looking forward to getting that episode out to you because that Cream of the crop, I'm telling you. That man, the, the man we have come up next week, he is an ingenious when it comes to leadership, building leadership and uh, building teams, management, developing culture and companies, uh, managing mental health. He's just, he's just an absolute genius. So in reflection of today's episode, Ted is just someone who I'm so, so happy that, you know, one of my, one of my best mates, Matt, connected us together and I just... I'm just so thankful that he did that because not only is he, you know, he's come on here and he's provided awesome content to us, uh, but he's also just a legend of a guy. And this is the type of bloke that you meet and you want to connect with and you just, as soon as you meet him, you just want to connect with him. You just want to be mates with him. And you want to go have a beer with him. And you want to have a chat and talk shit. And he is just a great guy. And I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to sit down and record this episode for you and give you guys so much fucking content. Okay, hope you guys really, 
really enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, next week we all just start again and it gets back on and we're back on the train and we'll be ready to release the next episode. So have a great week. Uh, or see you on the socials and make sure you get out there, you share this episode with someone that you think may need it. And also, you know, I think I've just hit, did I hit the noise button there? I did. Bit of sound. Ah, All right, cool. Sorry. Small things amuse small minds. We've got a little noise panel here so I can do like little, little sound effects and shit. Anyway, here nor there. Get out there, share this with your friends. Show this out to some some other blokes, some other people out there that you think may need this and may enjoy this episode. And most importantly, get onto iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review, tell us how fucking awesome we are. And uh, yeah, that'd be great. All right. Enjoy your week and we'll catch you in the next episode.